0: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates we got a big show for you today. It is a game day edition of the HHC. Hornets will be taking on the Sacramento Kings, and we're going to preview that matchup momentarily. But first up, there was a recent feature piece put out on the ringer. It was all about reigning Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball, and the title is Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. It took one season for LaMelo Ball to prove his out-of-this-world potential. Now comes the challenge and the thrill of building a future around the 20-year-old's boundless imagination. This piece done by staff writer for The Ringer, Rob Mahoney, and he's kind enough to join us for today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, take us through his process for the article, what he learned, and maybe a couple things that didn't make it into the piece. And he's here with us now on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Tell me, what was it like meeting, talking to, getting to know LaMelo Ball?
1: It was a treat, honestly. It was a great process as far as reporting goes. Lamelo is a really interesting guy, obviously very well-traveled. He's seen a lot of life for his years, played a lot of basketball in interesting places, and it was fun to dive into his story and fun to dive into his game, especially for, you know, as someone who watches a lot of NBA basketball, to get to dig into a subject who experiences it and sees it unlike anyone else that's a privilege for me that's when things get fun is when you get to dig into the really unique players in terms of their style
0: and that's a place I kind of want to start with this because I agree with you there's a lot of NBA superstars who break the mold by Excelling within the framework of the game, but some players just seem to see things a little bit differently or do things so much differently. Thinking back to Steph Curry as he started to emerge, his three point shooting, it totally. Flipped the game on its head in a manner of speaking and kind of ushered in this era of three-point dominance with the Splash Brothers but he's kind of the originator of it with his unlimited range and LaMelo Ball with his push ahead passing seems to have opened up something else that's new and exciting for NBA fans. Tell me about that aspect of him and his game and what you took away from how he might be changing the NBA in terms of how it looks at starting fast
1: breaks and the pace of play. Yeah, it's one of those things where he's not you know inventing something totally new like there are elements of this that other players do I mean you can look at Miami with Kyle Lowry for example you see a lot of the similar hit ahead passing you mentioned Steph Curry obviously a guy who has similar and far more advanced in terms of makes and success I mean we're talking about the greatest shooter of all time but also shoots the long ball the way LaMelo is shooting two and three feet behind the three-point line so there's there's elements of LaMelo's game that are all over the league but the way they coalesce I think is very interesting and the way it accelerates the Hornets pace I think is pretty unique there just aren't that many guys in the league who can get a whole team up and running with them the way he can an NBA roster is just kind of loaded with veterans loaded with guys who have established habits who know how to play particular ways and have their own distinct styles and for a guy to come into the league and from day one basically get them to shift their styles to fit his not because he's being bossy or insistent but just because of the pure kind of charisma of the way he plays that's something pretty special and we'll have to see how that translates over time in terms of the personnel that the Hornets bring in, how long this can ultimately last, whether things shift in his game over time to slow down or to you know change some of the tempo or to be more stop and go. We'll have to see kind of how all this changes shape. But for right now, it makes for one of the best shows in basketball. It makes the Hornets very watchable, very fun, and also very competitive. We've seen in a lot of these games so far, they've just caught teams completely off guard with their ball pressure on defense, looking to turn steals into fast breaks, and just how quickly LaMelo is getting the ball up court with these full court outlet passes, you know, basically touchdown passes for layups and dunks a lot of the time.
0: There is an awful lot in this piece about Lamelo Ball, the person. and We highly encourage you to read it. Check it out. It's on the ringer right now. But one aspect of it that I wanted to ask you about was the way that he is learning to view the game that's maybe a little bit different for his generation. I personally hadn't really thought of this before, but it, it definitely rings true that we're now in a generation of basketball players that has really seen the game not exclusively, but quite a bit through highlights. They watch the game on Sports Center or on YouTube clips, and the act of watching a full game start to finish isn't exactly foreign per se, but it's not as common. It's not the only way to take it in as it would have been for previous generations, and how players of this generation, they'll see the step-back threes, they'll see the power dunks, but won't see as much of the minutiae of the game. Can you tell me about that part of the conversation and how LaMelo Ball is based off what I read from the article really working hard to make an effort particularly to watch the game in a quote-unquote old-school way and further develop his game beyond the unbelievable highlights that have become almost commonplace with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can tell this from just the way fandom of the NBA is changing more broadly. You know, take the lamello part out of it. I'm sure there are listeners of this podcast. I'm sure there are fans of the Hornets who they experience the team primarily through highlights they get on social media maybe keeping up with some players on those platforms, following some of the stories around the team, but they don't really sit down to watch a game start to finish. Maybe they'll catch a little bit here and there. Maybe they'll watch a quarter. But the idea of watching a full game, I think it is shifting in terms of whether that's really a requirement to be a fan of a team or a player or of the NBA. And so when you think about LaMelo before he came to the league, especially, I just don't think he was the kind of guy because of his generation and because of who he is, who was sitting down and watching full games. It seems like that was largely the case coming into the league too, that that just was not his habit. That was not the way he was experiencing basketball in terms of consuming it. And for him to still be a sophisticated, a playmaker and a player and to read the game the way he does, I think shows that you don't necessarily have to do that. But when you do, you take away different bits of information. He's a guy who has been watching film. Absolutely. I don't, I don't want to insinuate at all that he's not like doing his homework as a player, that he's not sitting down with coaches and studying this stuff because he is. But when you watch these plays back to back to back in a game, you get the full context of what's happening. You see, why is this point guard passing it to this role player at this particular time? And it's, oh, that guy hasn't had a touch in a whole quarter, and he needed to feel the ball in that moment. It was very important for him to get a look or at least to be involved in this possession. And so I think when when you do experience full games and you're absorbing them in that way, you get some of that background. You feel the game a little bit more than if you're watching highlights, which... Obviously, you can take away talent and skill and one-on-one moves and d- like different creative things that I think would serve someone like Ball very well in terms of stuff that he could just try because of his natural skill and aptitude. But there's just a different level of sophistication in terms of management of a game, which has obviously been one of his big points of emphasis and Coach Borrego's points of emphasis for him this season that I think you could really only get from watching full games.
0: In terms of the person LaMelo ball, there's a lot of, shall we say, colorful descriptions about who LaMelo is, including right up at the top of it, the Lamborghini custom suit slash trench coat combo chartreuse is the color that was uh, given in that opening paragraph and just the kind of showman that lamello ball is what's one thing from your conversations that on the showman side of it that personality side that has captivated so many on social media and, and just overall about lamello ball that you took away
1: mm, it's a good question i mean i think he's one of these guys who it really does feel kind of effortless There are a lot of players who come into the league and they want to cultivate a specific image. They want to put themselves out in the world in a particular way where they want to seem cool. They want to seem above it. They want to seem like they should have influence and be popular and people should follow them. I think LaMelo really does have that in kind of an instinctive way, in a way where he is just himself and that person is creative, creative and interesting and at the same time warm as his teammates will tell you and funny and goofy and magnetic and it it just makes him the kind of person that other players and staff members and members of the organization and people out in the community want to be around and in a way that's separate from oh that's a famous person i want to take a selfie with him there's just an element to his personality that i think rings as very authentic which given his upbringing and how manufactured it was in some ways in terms of the fact that he literally grew up in a reality show and still has this element where, again, he feels very distinctly him, has a very good sense of who he is I think that's pretty special for a guy coming into the NBA at his age.
0: His name is Rob Mahoney, staff writer for The Ringer. His recent piece, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, a feature on LaMelo Ball. We'll continue the conversation and talk about LaMelo's future with the Hornets and what he might mean in terms of the process and progress towards bringing a playoff run and maybe even one day a title to the Queen City. We'll continue as we roll along here on the Hornets Hivecast. I get allergy care from the doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates who know how to treat me, not just my symptoms. Now that my allergies are under control, I can ride my bike whenever I want, just like I did as a kid.
1: Senta offers allergy testing and a wide range of treatment in North and South Carolina. Play like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense.
0: Sam Farber and Rob Mahoney of The Ringer are here with you today on the HHC brought to you by Senta. Rob Mahoney, a staff writer for The Ringer, his recent piece Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, a feature on LaMelo Ball. Let's talk about his impact on this franchise and this team. In a certain respect, LaMelo Ball is a game changer, of course, having been rookie of the year and everything he brings. In another sense, He seems to be the perfect fit for this franchise and the way they always wanted to play under head coach James Borrego. And likewise, JB and this team seem to be a perfect fit for the skill set of LaMelo Ball in that there is room and there is a desire to push the pace, push the tempo, and try and play in a way LaMelo always has.
1: Yeah, and as we saw last season when Devontae Graham was still there, the way LaMelo plays, and in particular, his size opens up a lot of different arrangements in terms of the players who can work around him. You can play him in three guard lineups with two other point guards or two other small guards, and it can work. You can play him with different kinds of players because when you play a fast-breaking style, yes, you need athletes, you need shooters, you need ball handlers, you need all those things, but the game is just a little bit looser. It's not as tight. It's not as as focused as it is in the half court, and you have a little bit more leeway in terms of the players you're putting on the floor and their positionality and you know where they all fit together. And so as long as you have have, you know, this little bit of skill set from here, this little bit of skill set from there, and it all fits together in kind of a puzzle way, you can make it work. And LaMelo is the kind of playmaker who can make it work, who can be a, a point of cohesion between all of these players, in part because he doesn't dominate the ball. Because he's not a guy who's going to be aggressive in that particular way. He can be a facilitator. He can be a connector. And when you have guys on the team like Gordon Hayward, who's so good at that, who's so good at finding kind of his spot in things and, you know, pushing when he has an opportunity, but also setting other guys up, taking, you know, a good opportunity and swinging it in a pass to someone else for a great opportunity. That's where you start to see kind of the magic of what the Hornets could be come together is if they could get enough of these kinds of players in one place. And if they get continued development from guys like Miles Bridges, or whether they're able to bring in different players in the future to even augment what they're doing further, there's an outline here of something that could be pretty special.
0: You said a phrase that I've heard a lot his ability to dominate a game without dominating the basketball. And it's interesting because a lot of point guards need, want the ball in their hands. They want to orchestrate the offense. Lamelo almost seems like he wants the ball out of his hands. He always instinctively is looking to push the ball up the floor. If someone's ahead of him, he wants that person to have the ball and to go into attack mode,
1: and he just wants the flow of the offense to keep going. Absolutely. If you watch LaMelo play, or if you watch Lonzo play in Chicago, these are guys who get rid of the ball. They give it up as soon as they can, as soon as they spot a teammate with any kind of advantage, and in LaMelo's case, just has an incredible sense of the spacing of the court, his vision, his angles, his anticipation. When you're combining all those elements together, it leads you to some really interesting places as a team. And it gets guys moving in ways that I think is really healthy for just kind of the general offense. It gets guys running the floor, running their lanes hard. They cut harder. They move through their spots. They go through the sets faster because they're anticipating if I'm open at all, Lamelo can find me. He's the kind of passer who can find me. And so all of a sudden, you start building all of these really, productive habits on an individual level And I think, that again, that's kind of the the foundation of where you can start building consistent winning basketball is when you have a player like this who is encouraging, just by the style he plays, those kinds of habits.
0: Two more questions for you about your piece on LaMelo Ball, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, available now on The Ringer. One has to do with his teammates, his coaches, the conversations that you had. He seems to be such a transcendent star from the outside, but on the inside, it's hard to talk to anyone about LaMelo and not have them have a a positive outlook or a smile on their face. There's just something joyful about LaMelo Ball. What's something maybe that didn't make the article or something that did that you'd want to highlight that you took away from talking to Miles Bridges, James Borrego, other members of the team and organization about LaMelo Ball?
1: Well, I mean, my conversations with James Borrego in particular, I was very appreciative of, of his candor and walking me through his process with a player like LaMelo because so much of the tension between, and I say tension just in like a basketball sense, between players and Coaches is about control. I think being in a position as a head coach in the NBA, which is very visible, you bear a lot of responsibility for losses. You can get fired very easily, as we've seen lots of turnover all throughout the league over, you know, not just the last couple of years, but the last couple of decades. It's a tough job. And I think coaches instinctively, because of that, tend toward control, they want to run more sets. They want more of their stamp on things. They want their guys in the lineup. They want choices because if they're going to go out, they want to go out on their terms. And I think James Borrego and his approach with LaMelo has been all about modulating that control, seeding it in a lot of ways to this just whirlwind of creativity of a point guard that he has now. And so obviously there are ways in which, you know, you don't want him committing X number of turnovers or passing the ball in this particular way or being loose in ways that could be counterproductive to the team. But there's such an interesting dynamic there between those two and between, and you can see it across the league, whether it's with, you know, Luka Doncic and his coaches, Rick Carlisle and now Jason Kidd, or anyone who's kind of creative in that way and, and will take risks and is a showman and has all of these elements that make LaMelo such an interesting player and such an effective player. But I think for from a coaching standpoint, can be very challenging. And brego I think, has done a very good job so far in terms of figuring out the sweet spot of how much can you let this guy go to explore his game and where do you need to kind of pull him back or start to pull him back a little bit? It's, it's a very tough balance to find, but I think in a lot of ways, the one that defines the future of, of what the Hornets can be.
0: My last question for you about the piece is about some of the goals that are mentioned in it by Miles Bridges and others. There was a, a meeting prior to the season, and some of the goals were laid out a top 10 defense, lower turnover rate, and according to a quote from Miles Bridges, not just to make the playoffs, but to make a run in the playoffs. In terms of accomplishing their current goals, the here and now, where is your opinion, that process for LaMelo Ball and the Hornets to, to reach those goals? And ultimately, as Miles Bridges said in the quote you put out there, not just make the playoffs, but make a run.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we can kind of go through those item by item. Turnover rate has been a, a great success so far. Despite how fast they play, the Hornets have been a very low turnover team by rate and which is very impressive considering the risks that guys like LaMelo takes and also the creativity he encourages in his teammates to make passes I mean we've seen Miles Bridges throw some LaMelo like passes sometimes this season and that's not only fun to watch but I think adds to the offense and the fact that they've been able to keep their turnover rate low in spite of that in spite of all of this risk taking and running is great defense is trickier and the Hornets just have not been up to snuff quite defensively yet they're one of the lowest teams in the league right now in terms of defensive rating which is obviously a problem this is is a defense that at least so far I feel like has been pretty aggressive in terms of chasing the ball flocking toward the strong side and so we've seen some teams exploit that with like one and two passes out to the weak side corner and then all of a sudden someone gets a wide open shot so if they can button up some of those coverages we've seen stretches where the Hornets can be very dominant frankly defensively the kind of defense where it really gets into an opponent's head if they can play that consistently and keep it tight which is always the struggle during an NBA season I think they could be a pretty good defensive team top 10 is a lofty and worthy goal that I think they're going to be chasing and kind of going after for a lot of the season as for whether they can make a run in the playoffs I think that blueprint is here I think we've seen it in terms of some of their best performances so far and most importantly some of their best stretches of games you know even some of these games that the Hornets have lost they've been games in which they were down 15 18 19 points if they're able to kind of iron out one bad quarter that they have in those games, in which they they suffered those big leads, all of a sudden you're looking at a pretty dominant point differential. You're looking at a very effective team. You're looking at a team that could give again some of the some of the better teams in the Eastern Conference a run for their money in in, in a first round series, or you know could really scare teams because if nothing else, you know Charlotte is going to come in with its style of play. They're going to run, they're going to run you, they're going to force you to either play at their pace or really slow down to try to counter them. Either way, you're kind of taking them out of their stuff. So I think there's some exciting potential for the Hornets as a playoff team. They they have a long way to go in terms of ironing out their habits and figuring out who they are, and and some of these younger guys coming along and developing even further over the course of the season. But I think they have a chance to fulfill that part of their goal setting as well. But it's a long season. We're only you know seven, eight, nine games in now, so we'll see how things pan out in the long term.
0: He's a staff writer for The Ringer. His recent piece, "Beyond Your Wildest Dreams," a profile of Lamelo Ball. Rob Mahoney, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast, and definitely encourage you to go check out the piece if you haven't already. It is a game day edition of the HHC, so coming up next we'll talk about the matchup tonight against the Sacramento Kings. That's next here on the Hornets Hive Cats. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber and Rob Mahoney here with you of The Ringer. Here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. His recent piece, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, we've been talking about it. His profile of LaMelo Ball. Definitely encourage you to read it. We'll talk about tonight's game, though, right now against the Sacramento Kings. A team that is seemingly on the come up as well. They've got some young draft picks that are starting to emerge. They are very guard oriented. What do you think of this matchup tonight for the Hornets against the Sacramento Kings?
1: I think it should be a fun one. And it's a game that I think on paper projects as, oh, this is an interesting point guard battle. You know, you have LaMelo Ball on one side, you have De'Aaron Fox, just one of the quickest, most dangerous guards in the league on the other. But when you really drill down to it, it's kind of a forward battle at this point. You know, Miles Bridges might have been the best player for the Hornets thus far to date this season and Harrison Barnes has had an unbelievable season for the Kings has really come on hit some clutch shots been just a really sharp shot creator for them and a really steadying presence for that offense and so you have two teams that that do want to run that do want to play that way so there's always an interesting push and pull with that in terms of who can kind of get their turnover game going who can get out on the break and start speeding to their team up I like the style of, of how this matchup could take shape
0: one area to, to look at you know with the Hornets they're five and Four, but they have some really big wins already on their resume. Winning at Brooklyn was impressive. That that one kind of comes to the forefront. They've been a, a, a very exciting team to watch, but that win against Brooklyn was kind of an eye-opener that, oh, you know, this isn't just beating up on bad teams. This team really seems to have something going here. When you flip it around and look at what Sacramento's done, yes, they're four and four and seem to be playing better than they have in recent years but they don't have a win yet over an above 500 team. They beat Phoenix, who's obviously the defending Western Conference champion, and that is certainly impressive. But their other wins, Portland, is below 500, and then they have beaten the New Orleans Pelicans twice now. New Orleans is 1-8 and to start the season. So even though they're very close in record, is Charlotte's maybe a bit more positive of a result when you look at the record of the teams that they've beaten compared to Sacramento looking through a similar light?
1: It's a good question. I mean, I think what offsets it for Sacramento is their losses have primarily come to very good teams. You know, like they've played the Pelicans twice, but they've also played the Jazz twice, who may be the best team in the NBA so far this season. So it's tough to hold too much of their schedule against them in terms of weighing these two teams against each other. But I think there's no question that the Hornets highs have been higher. Now, can they kind of get to the point where that's becoming more of their standard, where they're hitting their highs more consistently, where they're sustaining them to play on that level? on an every night basis, that's going to be their challenge over the course of the year is locking in in that particular way. Because we've seen when Charlotte is on top of it, I mean, when they're really plugged into what they do, and everyone is moving on a string and connected and running the ball, they're just incredibly dangerous. They're incredibly difficult to deal with. And I don't think Sacramento quite has that. I think they can be a pretty competitive team, a pretty competent team, but it might max out around around there. Give me a key
0: statistic for this one, and I've got one in mind too, but I'll, I'll let the guests go first. So give me your key statistic or and or player to watch for this one. What would you focus on for 48 minutes to try and determine who the winner will be based on
1: X? I'm kind of eyeing, you know, speaking of the Hornets goals that we talked about previously, I'm kind of eyeing the turnover rate battle in this game, because these are two of the lowest turnover teams in the league, and yet two teams who want to turn opponents over. I think more so in the Hornets case than in than the Kings case. The Kings stylistically don't necessarily lean that way in terms of the defensive scheme, but they have personnel who naturally do that, whether you're talking about De'Aaron Fox, or I think in particular, Davion Mitchell, who, if you were watching the game against the Warriors on Wednesday night, the effect that Gary Payton Jr. had on the game in which he was just pressing Ish Smith full court, getting some steals, getting some pokeaways, I think is a big part of what turned that game. And you could see a player like Mitchell having a similar effect. He's the kind of defender who gets all the way up into your jersey and could really turn you over. And so if you're a team like the Hornets, who's trying to push the ball, who's trying to be aggressive, and a guy like that can start to disrupt things, you could see the battle starting to tilt in that direction because of that. And so because these two teams are both so reliant on keeping their turnover, Turnovers low, maximizing their possessions, trying to milk the most that they possibly can out of all the opportunities they can get. Whichever team is tilting that, I feel like it is going to have a pretty good chance to win this thing.
0: Yeah, we are not in the same room as we do this, but turnovers came top of mind. You kind of nailed it there. From the Hornets' perspective and forcing turnovers, it reminded me of one more thing from the article, which let's end on this and the article again available on the Ringer, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams by Rob Mahoney, a profile piece on LaMelo Ball. It talks about his defense and kind of how he sees the game and those instincts allow him to step into passing lanes. Not only does he see passes that most players don't, but he sees other players' passes before they even realize what they're going to do and is able to get a lot of deflections and a lot of takeaways based off that. But that, in some respects, LaMelo Ball is is so far ahead of the game, sometimes the other players he's trying to disrupt aren't there yet. Uh, you, you mentioned in the piece, talking to LaMelo about defense and how, He'll think the pass should go in one direction because that's how he sees it. And then being disappointed in that particular play because the player will do something else, not necessarily because it's the right thing to do, but it's not the way LaMelo would have done it. And so he either gets caught out of position or just isn't there to make the steal that he thought he would be able to because that other player and most other players just don't see the game the same way LaMelo Ball does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in the idea that a lot of NBA skill sets can be inverted that great shooters can understand instinctively how to disrupt other good shooters, even if they're not great defensive players themselves, that great passers in a lot of cases can kind of see these angles and understand them. Now, it's one thing to see it and know that it's there and quite another to be able to disrupt it at the level that LaMelo does. And I honestly wish we could have gotten more into his defense in this story, but there's, there's so many different aspects that we wanted to tackle in terms of who he is and how he plays and what he means to the Hornets that it was really kind of constrained to this one section and talking about in particular what you outlined, you know, how his his preemptive reads on the game and his pursuit of those opportunities in ways that can sometimes disrupt the defense behind him that can throw, you know, he can if he goes out of position pursuing a steal, what does that mean for the guy rotating behind him? It's a constant push and pull there in terms of how much he should be chasing those opportunities and what they could mean. And it's one of the more thrilling aspects, I think, of, of Ball's game at this point. Honestly, you know, in this not just in terms of defense, but he's one of the most exciting rebounders to watch for this same reason reason because he'll go he'll go cross court to chase down rebounds that other guards just simply won't especially guards who are much smaller than him. I think between his size and his athleticism and his instincts, he just has a great sense of how to pursue the ball. And that's going to be one of the most exciting aspects of his game to watch and and over the course of his career to see how it develops and how he harnesses it. Because we see over time, you know, players come into the league with natural athletic gifts. They have a sense of how to play the game, but it's not quite fully formed yet. And then as they get into that 25-year-old to 28, 29-year-old range, they really start to crystallize in terms of pulling all this stuff together, all of their natural talent, all of their knowledge that they've accumulated in the league, the personnel of the league and how to guard and how to attack and all these things, it all kind of coalesces at that point. And who Lamella will be when all that stuff comes together, that's an incredible proposition. That's something that's going to be, you know, must watch basketball, must watch television for, for a long time coming. And so that we get to see the whole process leading up to that, I think is part of the fun of watching him and this team develop together
0: he is transfixed nba fans the world over case in point the other day in golden state one of the most rabid and loyal fan bases in the world, really, for any sport. They love their Warriors. They love Steph Curry and Draymond Green and everything that that organization has been able to do winning championships, and yet there was a lot of teal in that crowd, more than you would have expected normally with such a hot ticket and high-priced one and a team that only had one loss on the season coming into the game, and yet there were a lot of fans that not just came to see Lamelo, but had already invested in his jersey and were coming specifically for the Hornets. It's been impressive, and I think it's only going to grow. Rob Mahoney's piece, Beyond your wildest dreams available now on The Ringer and uh, as you mentioned Rob there's there's so much that you can fit into any piece no matter how long, any podcast no matter how long and you never seem to fully get all the stuff you would have wanted to in and that's the case here today but I know that there's going to be future pieces from you on Lamelo, and we look forward to talking to you about them and trying to squeeze even more into another edition of the Hornets Hivecast but for the here and now thank you so much for your time, good luck on the rest of your journey this season covering the NBA and we look forward to crossing paths with you again soon.
1: Sounds good, thanks for having me Sam
0: The piece one more time, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, a feature on LaMelo Ball available now on The Ringer. Go and check it out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We'll have another for you tomorrow, breaking down tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. Till next time, for Rob Mahoney of The Ringer, our producer Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast.